When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, Bulls Nation, and welcome in to the CHGO Bulls Podcast on this Tuesday afternoon. Come to you live and remote this time. The powers that be were kind and decided to let us do the, today's episode from home after that very late night against the Kings. Uh, and shout out to all of you who were hanging out with us there late for postgame Monday night. We appreciate you. CHGO Bulls Podcast presented by PointsBet. Use that promo code CHGO when signing up to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. And stay tuned for later in today's episode for my pick of the week. Joining me, Matt Peck, is, as always, my pal Big Dave Watson and Mr. Will Gottlieb. You can follow them on Twitter at Won't Gottlieb and Bow, BAW Sports. I am at Bulls underscore Peck. We are at CHGO underscore Bulls. Well, gentlemen, um, I don't know about you guys, but I have not yet successfully washed off the stank of that game against the Kings last night. Uh, we talked in postgame about how that uh, was really a game that the Bulls needed. Uh, and Matt has frozen and decided well, to leave him. us. He better come back so we can yell about these bulls some more. But I have, I will say this. I have definitely successfully washed the stank off of that loss. As soon as I got home, I left it where it was. It was tough. It was a horrible, ugly, ugly loss. And I just want to forget about it. I want to move forward. But what makes it tough is the bulls schedule. It's not like you can look and say, you know, you got Orlando coming up, Will. The Bulls' schedule moving forward is the hardest in the entire NBA. Um, I tweeted about it this morning. I'll see if I can pull it up to get the exact uh, opponent win percentage here. It's mm. 562. So the average, um, there it is, perfect. The average win percentage of remaining opponents, 562. We all know the Bulls have struggled against those elite teams uh, at the top of both conferences. And yeah, I mean, this is a stretch where they're really going to have to to muster up the strength. I think, you know, we talked about it a bit last night. They've had these games where they they come out slow and then they try to turn it on in the fourth quarter. That wasn't good enough last night. And I think these last 14 games, they have to treat like it's the fourth quarter where they're coming out and, you know, playing their best basketball from the beginning as we lose Matt here again. <laughs> yeah, that's the only way they're going to be able to get these victories. And I think it just sucked more because it felt like they did the same thing against Detroit. Uh, they came out flat. It was the same Detroit, story. Punched them in the mouth. Uh, just came out until Tristan Thompson got to yelling at them, and then they kind of recouped. But this one, they came out a little more cocky. They haven't reached a level of good where they can come in cocky. You know what I mean? Like, these guys haven't won on that kind of level yet where they can just take teams light and then turn it on in the third. You know, that's reserved for guys, you know, like Phoenix and Miami, Milwaukee, you know, guys who have proven history 
of doing things like that. This is their first year of doing this stuff, Will. And I think even, even earlier on in the season, they were that team where they were just taking care of business against these bad teams. For whatever yeah. reason, that has not been the case. I know they rallied off about six straight wins there before the All-Star break um, mm-hmm. against some sub-par, sub-500 teams. And mm-hmm. that's great. But as I said, this is the stretch run here. They're fighting for their playoff lives. They've got the hardest schedule coming up. And, you know, the second seed, the third seed are within striking distance, but yeah. so is the play-in. And they can't find themselves falling that far. That would be disaster mode. Yeah, that would be that was when you would not see Happy Dave. <laughs> you would not see Happy Big Dave then, Will. I would be quite kind of pissed. And you will be thinking about losses like this if that kind of thing happens. But the good thing is, I know it's a tough schedule, and obviously the toughest in the NBA, but they still have time to turn it around. They still have time to get guys back. And obviously, I think that next guy coming back is going to be uh, Patrick Williams, who seems like he'll be back either this week or next week. From what we're hearing, singing out there, has has you heard anything that has uh, been to the contrary of that? Yeah, Billy, before the game yesterday uh, via Zoom said, it, you know, it's probably going to be at least next week. Um, but he did have optimism that it was going to be March for Patrick Williams' return. We've talked about it here on the show. You know, mm-hmm. how much can you really expect out of Pat Will? you know, to provide value as a starter. It seems like Billy says, you know, it wouldn't quite be fair to him or the rest of the team to, to just throw him into a starting role where, you know, right. he's got 30, 35 minutes worth of, you know, important defensive assignments. Um, I think they'll ease him into the back into the rotation and into the lineup, but uh, yeah, hopefully he comes back and, and plays well. The bulls definitely need that defensive uh, stopper on the wing because you know last night they had no chance against De'Aaron Fox and Sabonis mm-hmm. and pick and roll and mm-hmm. it's just been a struggle these last you know several months even getting Caruso back uh, they played really great defensively on Saturday against the Cavs yes. not the case last night so it's been off and on but they need to be more consistent uh, heading down the stretch here these games are just super important every single one is you yeah. know almost a playoff game yeah, yeah. And so, again, this is their first time being in something like this. And and you're going to see guys struggle as you've been watching it so far. But it's going to be like that for these guys. You know what I mean? Going forward, toughest schedule left in the NBA. That's why you have to lean on your vets like DeMar DeRozan. And you got to lean on guys like Zach Levine. Again, he's one of those people who hasn't been in this situation, but he's already a proven guy, you know, as far as being a really excellent basketball player, two-time All-Star. We know the resume on him. But as my man Matt is always consistently worried about <laughs> that knee of Zach Levine. He is always concerned about the knee of Zach Levine. Um, how, and I, and I, I asked you this on the show, but I kind of wanted to go into it a little bit more here about your level of concern uh, about his knee going forward, because I still think he can be a valuable piece, you know, putting up the numbers that he can put up as far as, you know, getting you 27 points, He's showing he can get to the rim. He's showing he can assist. You know, he had about six of those yesterday. But as Matt said, you know, you haven't seen that burst. You know, we saw him blow that layup when he went in for that and things Flat like higher, that. Yeah, yeah, man, that was that was just weird to see because that's two-time dunk champion Zach Levine. But he's saying he's 70 or 80%. But what is your level of concern about Zach Levine these last 14 games? Well, I think it comes down to what his projected role is in this offense. And and this year it's been that secondary guy playing off of DeMar, um, mm-hmm. being able to attack off reversal passes and, you know, providing secondary playmaking when DeRozan is on the bench. But, 
you know, mostly worrying about that scoring. That's the best aspect of his game. Um, yeah. and passing off some of the ball handling and decision-making duties to DeMar, especially late in games. So 70, 80% of Zach is still a really good player and they're going to need him to be a really good player. I think that's an area where the bulls have actually struggled, um, over the past, you know, however long is DeMar teams are starting to zero in on him. They're starting to pick up his tendencies, push him off of that elbow where he likes to operate, you know, trapping him, making the bulls, you know, making somebody else on the bulls beat them, getting the yeah. ball out of his hands and swinging it. And, you know, Vooch has not been a super efficient scorer this year. Zach is not playing at his highest level. Obviously Lonzo and Patrick Williams have been out. The bulls don't really have that other guy who's been able to take advantage. Now they have guys that should be able to, and you hope mm-hmm. that Vooch and Zach, um, you know, Kobe's been playing well lately and, and he'll continue mm-hmm. to, be a, a super hot sort of microwave guy, but also has these cold streaks. Yeah. So they just need somebody else to step up and provide that secondary scoring. And, you know, ideally it's Zach in a perfect world. It should be Zach, but uh, you know, when, on, on days where he's not playing his best, it has to be somebody else, whether that's Vooch or Kobe or, you know, Lonzo, when he comes back and just hitting a bunch of threes, somebody has got to do that. And I think that's where, you know, we, we've missed some of that continuity as AK says mm-hmm. in the comments here is that, yeah. you know, DeMar's playing well, but when teams start to double him, what happens then? That's going to be the question going forward. And it's wild because you need, you want to rely on a guy like Vooch. You're right. He hasn't been, he's been solid, you know, but he hasn't been the level that he's been over his past 10 years of his career. Uh, we're just used to seeing this guy getting 20 and 10. That's just what's going to happen. Now we saw a little bit of it yesterday. Uh, he's the reason the Bulls got even got back into the game after that. He did, uh, yeah, after that little mix-up with Sabonis. Absolutely, man, he did. He did, and it seems like he likes going against Sabonis. That second game I've seen, like he kind of likes mixing it up with him a little bit, man. I think it's because Sabonis is is strong, but he isn't that big, you know, as far as the height where he can just block his shot. So he he can go down there, you know, and play around a little bit more when he's against the Galaxy Sabonis. But the three point shot was falling for him. Uh, also, and that's that's a little shocking, <laughs> you know, saying for him so yeah, far this been, year. He's been pretty cold all year. Yeah, um, man. and I think that's an area where the Bulls really need him. Like, whether or not his post game, whether they're feeding him in the post and he's able mm-hmm. to, you know, score, give the Bulls sort of a, a half court look there, or these little side pick and rolls where he steps out 15 feet on the baseline. Um, I think the a really important aspect of his game for the playoffs. And, mm-hmm. and I want to talk here about like the importance of home sure. court advantage and, you know, seating in the playoffs, but Vooch is such an important part of that as a short role playmaker. Obviously we've talked a ton about that, but I also think just the spacing element where if he's popping out to three, that provides DeMar with the room that he needs to operate from the elbow. And okay. if he's going right to the other elbow, now you're drawing a second defender here. Teams are starting to double and, Demar's just, you know, he's great and he has scored over double teams a ton this year, but it's just so much to ask. So uh, hopefully they can get him going a little bit. Zach will have to sort of ease his way into playing at his best uh, mm-hmm. come playoffs. But what do you think about the the standings and the seating and how important it is for home court? Um, you know, I think there's a real world where we're even looking at a play in game at this point, the way they're playing and the rest of the schedule um the Sixers and the Bucks um and I think the Heat were also in that top 12 of mm-hmm. most difficult schedules so 
you know, the Bulls aren't the only ones there, but I do think seeding is really important here. And that three seed where, you know, maybe you're playing the Cavs or the Raptors in the first round, that would be the ideal scenario for them to get out of the first round into the conference semis. I mean, I think without question, it's important for this team. One, as I keep saying, because they're young. Uh, two, this is all new to them. So you want to put them in a place that's the most comfortable for a young new team experiencing something like this. And three, just look at their record at home and look at their record on the road. Like they're clearly a better team at home and enjoy being there. So it's important for them to get that. I would love for them to get that top four and, and to still hold on to it. You're right. There is a world um, to borrow, you know, from Marvel Universe. There, there is one, a room in the multiverse somewhere that they could go ahead and, and finish um, outside of that top six and be in the playing game. I don't look at that world. I don't think that world exists to me. It's a planet that might be out there, but I don't know it yet. And I don't and I don't want to know about it. I'm just strictly focused on this top six. Uh, but I really think they if they if they want to go as far as I think they can, which is a second round, they're going to need a first round where they have home court advantage, man, because it clearly have shown that is where they thrive. And you know what? I can, you, if you want to go down like their top five uh, moments of the season, I bet three of them are at home. You know what I'm saying? Like we talked about that at that last game against Milwaukee, how we saw two of those plays, you know what I'm saying, at home with Derrick Jones, including in that dunk. The other one was the Tom Brady pass. You know what I'm saying? That we that saw was the best, best play of like the last five, seven years. That was amazing. <laughs> exactly. Russo exactly. dives, strips the ball, mm-hmm. lofts it up to Lonzo, baseball pass overhead, like 60 mile an hour bullet for, for the 360. Mm. That was so nice. It was beautiful. And the other two, of course, are probably the DeRozan uh, back-to-back game winners. So, yeah, like your three of your top five plays are coming at home. That's where you're comfortable. They really enjoy playing there, uh, being there in that atmosphere, watching that game and just seeing how they perform and how they came out. They were never really low energy. You know, even in that game against Memphis, you know, they weren't low energy in that game. Um, But we've seen it on the road. They'll come out slow. They'll come out stagnant. I don't know if it's the time difference or anything like I don't know what it is, but it's something about them on the road that they just don't enjoy being there. And it's shown in the record that they have. I think that's a big key is making sure you can get as many home games in there as possible. But mm-hmm. at this point, I think we talked about it maybe a week ago. Um, mm-hmm. do, does your evaluation of you know what defines a successful season, has that changed at all? given the results over the past week where, Ooh. you know, maybe now we're looking at, you know, a successful season being the the first round, just making it in there, getting out of the play in. Um, right. Yeah. I don't know. What are, you, what are your thoughts there? That it hasn't changed for me. Cause, cause I think it's like I said before, this season has already been a success for me. Uh, I know where I lived before. <laughs> I, I know the house I was living in four, four years ago, man. I remember having no running water, no electricity. You know what I'm saying? We you were struggling. Alphas. I'm telling you, man. <laughs> <laughs> I was in the shack, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was, it was tough. So I'm in a nice place right now. You know, my neighbors are nice. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's hot People water. People excited about the Bulls. It's cool, man. Like, I'm really I'm really like this new place that I'm in with the Chicago Bulls. This, this is a really nice place to be. So this season has been nothing but a success. And I love it because I've watched AK and Mark Eversley do it in a way that they said that they were going to do it. Everything they said they were going to do, they did it. Every single thing. And that's why I'm so enjoying this so much because they knew that if they do it this way, then that success will come with it. 
We've seen that success. I've seen Zach Levine finally win four games in a row. Matter of fact, I've seen him do it multiple times this season. I've seen uh, two all-stars on, on my basketball team. I've seen a rookie uh, look like a veteran in Ayo Desumu. I've watched Lonzo Ball just change how this team even plays in the half court and plays defense along with Alex Caruso. You know, I've seen I've seen Tristan Thompson come in and be what I thought he was going to be as far as just that goon energy guy. I, so everything I've seen him do so far has been a success to me. Of course, you want more of the success. You want you want to see them, you know, go further in the playoffs and things like that. And a lot of people might equate that as the success. And if they don't do that, then it's a failure. But that's not me, man. I, I know I know the food I was eating. I know the house I was living in before. All right. So I'm good. And you're talking about success. We have successfully gotten Matt Peck. Hey! Back oh, hey, guys. Oh, hey, guys. Welcome oh, hey, back. guys. Oh, hey, guys. Are behind us. Of course. <laughs> of course. After years of doing podcasts remote and streaming <laughs> with zero problems or issues. Our first one. Our first CHU Bulls remote pod. <laughs> my computer decides to have a heart attack. Hey, sorry, man. We held you down, man. You know, it's what we do. We a team oh, I, I had no doubt that you would. I had no <laughs> doubt. And I'm guessing that I missed a large part of the uncomfortable conversation about the Bulls' brutal upcoming schedule. Well, you you are allowed to, to chime in on it because we definitely touched on it and talked about it, how difficult that schedule is. I and mean, we're talking here, Matt, about, you know, what, you know, revisiting the conversation of what defines a, su- a successful season and how important it is for the Bulls to end up with the top four seed um, and make sure they secure home court advantage in the first round. I mean, I I don't think you could overstate how important it is to try to get that first round home court advantage. You look at the Bulls splits, 25 and 10 at home, 16 and 17 on the road. We were talking post game after the Kings lost last night about how it was yet another sloppy start in a road game. And that's kind of been a trend for this team all season long. And we're not really sure where the answers are on how they can fix that, if they can fix that. But if you can get yourself one more home game in a best-of-seven playoff series, you you damn better do everything you can to do that. And it's mm. it's not going to get any easier. And that's why a loss la- like the one last night is is so deflating because you know we're just talking about this brutal schedule. Six of the mm. next seven on the road. Eight of mm. your final 14 on the road. All, as you started the show mentioning, Will, against quality opponents or most uh, against quality opponents, the toughest strength to schedule remaining of all 30 NBA teams, you, you can't let those very, very winnable games slip when you're doing everything you can to, to you know, push off Boston and, and, and Cleveland. And who knows, maybe even Toronto still has an outside mm-hmm. shot at getting into that picture. It's I'm, I am I am preparing for the very realistic possibility of the Bulls not having home court in the first round. Would you, would you, are you concerned at all about them even getting into the playoffs outside of the play in? Like, I think there's a real world now where, you know, I got to pull up the standings here, but the, I, I would say I'm getting a little concerned that, you know, not playing a play in game, avoiding the play in tournament is a real possibility here. Uh, yeah. It is. The Bulls right now are three games clear of Toronto. Last night, that was four. That mm-hmm. that comfort zone is shrinking, and and we have to go play Utah tomorrow night, and then we have to play Phoenix on Friday. That could very mm-hmm. easily be two more L's. And, and then you got a back-to-back against Toronto and Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. I, like... I thought for a while, and our pal Mark K was talking about this a month ago and got crucified by Bulls Twitter when he was looking at this schedule and saying, 
that that play-in is not necessarily – the Bulls are not clear of that play-in scenario. And Bulls fans are like, oh, come on, Mark. Always a pessimist. Why you got to drag us down? It is absolutely possible. Absolutely I still think possible. it's possible. I still think it's unlikely. There's just not a ton of time left for them to make up that ground. But I mean, you'd also like to think the Bulls could take care of business against some of these teams. And right now, they just haven't been able to beat any of the teams ahead of them. These games mm-hmm. against the Raptors, two games against the Bucks. I mean, that's gonna basically define the the play in and the standings here. So these mm-hmm. games are huge. And again, they haven't beaten any of these teams yet. Yeah, and I think that's the biggest thing about it. Um, I mean, I would love to, you know, attack Matt and go in on him about this for sure. But, you know, it's hard to argue a fact. You know what I mean? Like you looked at the fact that they haven't beat these teams that they have let, uh, left to play. And so the concern, you're like, you know what? You have to validate the concern because you're looking at these teams. You're like, okay, didn't beat them. Didn't beat them. Got your ass kicked by them. Oh, they whooped you right there. Oh, man. That's a problem, you know, going forward. But again, Will, like I said, it's a planet that I don't even acknowledge the, that it, it exists. I don't even acknowledge the existence of a play-in tournament for the Chicago Bulls this season. It's not real to me. It's a realistic, yes, idea, and he's right. I don't even acknowledge it. I don't see it. I more so see I'm looking up than I am down as far as the Bulls are concerned because they're closer to moving up than they are to moving yeah, that's, down. Yeah, that's a great point and something that, you know, the Bulls have a real chance here. The other side of this coin is the, they have a real chance here to put a stamp on, you know, this narrative that they can't beat good teams. They've got mm-hmm. the Bucks twice. They've got the Celtics. They've got, um, you know, the Raptors here coming up. Mm-hmm. And then, like, even some of their lower level teams, like the Wizards are probably clear. The Knicks are probably clear um, below the plane here. But, you know, the Timberwolves, the Pelicans, those teams that, you know, would not be necessarily considered the top of the top. They're all fighting for playoff spots too. And if they can take care of these teams and, you know, end this narrative that they can't beat good teams, they could actually find themselves getting up into that third seed where again, I think they have the best chance to make it out of the first round. I've, I've heard a lot of big fat ifs in my day. Will that perhaps <laughs> might be one of the biggest fattest. ifs? Yeah. There is no evidence is. of the bulls being able to do that. Absolutely. Right. I like, I think I like. Also, it's worth giving it some thought because it's not 100% certainty that they're going to lose these games. Right. They still have no. a chance to, to flip the narrative. It's they unlikely do. maybe, but I do think, you know, in the, in the spirit of like trying to balance out the pessimism here, <laughs> I do think that's still a, a possibility. Speaking of, I like, I like what Carlos says here. It says earlier this season, I hung pessimistic Peck's Jersey from the Raptors. Unfortunately, his jersey has become unretired because they keep be, they keep losing to these good teams. So he's he's come out of retirement. He pulled a Jordan on everybody. It came right about retirement. Will he's right because early in the season, I mean, Matt was the nicest. Everything was cool. He was doing great. I thought well, I had made a difference. Fun while it lasted, wasn't it? Fun while it lasted. That's another important lesson here: is that you know the Bulls were the top seed in the East almost through the all-star and Mm -hmm. things change. You have to reevaluate them at this point when they haven't looked as good. So yes, I think they had a great first half of the season. That was super successful to your point. And you know, now they're sliding a little bit that changes things that changes where they are in the standings that changes who they're going to face in the playoffs. So, Mm. you know, it's just a thing to consider here that like, it doesn't, you don't have a good start and therefore 
you're locked into the playoffs as the top seed. You have to finish out the season, finish out these games. strong. That's what they're learning. All right. We also wanted to get into a little bit the uh, increase in double teams and uh, added pressure that DeMar DeRozan has been facing recently after his insane month of February. We will do that right up next. But first, what are you waiting for, people? The best mm-hmm. way to support CHGO is to download that PointsBet app and use promo code CHGO when you sign up. If you do that right now, you will get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. But that's not all. If you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you'll receive a free membership to CHGO, which unlocks all of our exclusive web content, uh, including the uh, the post-game thoughts uh, after the Kings lost by our friend Will Gottlieb here. And you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO Locker. That's $2,000 in free bets, a free CHGO membership, and a free t-shirt from the CHGO Locker, all for making a $50 first-time deposit at PointsBet. If you have any questions, you can email PointsBet at allchgo.com, and we will help you out. It's your home for live in-play betting, and it just got even better. Introducing PointsBet's new feature, live college basketball, same-game parlays. Guys, March Madness is upon us. It's around the corner. It's on the other side of the door. And you know Parlay Peck is going to be Oh, you know it. You know Parlay Peck is throwing all kinds of action that way. (laughs) Combine your favorite bets anytime during the game. You want more? You can also boost those live same-game parlays. Watch live, parlay live, boost live with PointsBet. And now online sign-up is available in Illinois. Plus, during PointsBet March Madness, all users can earn up to $100 of free bets. During each round, just place a $50 pregame wager and get a free $20 live bet to be used for that round. So what are you waiting for? Once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet life with PointsBet. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. People, the only thing I love better than PointsBets is being healthy. All right? And let me get you something. You want something delicious, don't you? You want something healthy and delicious. You say that don't exist. I say you're fibbing. Why? Because it's Athletic Greens, baby. Oh, and you're looking at me like, what the hell is Athletic Greens? Listen, let me tell you about it. Athletic Greens was created with the founder, experienced a ton of gut health issues, and ended up complicating supplements routine, a complicated supplement routine to recover. And it cost him over $100 a day. You could be spending that on points bet, but no, he had to spend it on his health. He created Athletic Greens after experiencing how difficult it was to create an optimal nutrition routine on your own. He did it for us. He did it for me. He did it for you. But listen, you want to know about the cost? It costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing that into your health, and it's cheaper than your cold beer habit, all right? It's cheaper than getting all that different supplements yourself, and you're investing in an all-in-one nutritional insurance but listen don't take my word for it how about you take the word of the man with the best hair on the planet over there will gottlieb will tell him about this athletic greens what was it like son i've been taking it in the mornings you know you take it you wake up you mix some into 10 to 12 ounces of water and you'd be surprised it tastes pretty good okay Mm -hmm. it's fruity it's fresh and it's not like one of those nasty green drinks ag1 is good and good for you Um, I've been feeling a lot better. You know, we all have digestion issues, but this is a supplement that you take daily and it makes you feel better. And it's one of those things where, you know, you got to be consistent with it, but Mm. I'm seeing the benefits. I've been taking it for about a week Mm. and I'm excited to keep going with it and see how my 
health improves. So highly recommend yeah. so far. It's been great. And yeah, I encourage you guys to try it. You hear that man over there? You heard what he said. Look at, look at Gottlieb getting review. into the spokesperson character. I love it. Like that. Yes, man. It's an honest and review. So, what can I say? <laughs> and so if you want to get down with him, and we're going to let you get down. And to make it easy for you guys, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five, you heard me, one, two, three, four, fifth free travel pack for your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash shop. C-H-G-O, uh, uh, and you C-H-G-O Bulls. That's what you need to use. C-H-G-O Bulls. That is your code. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash C-H-G-O Bulls. And take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Athletic Greens. Mm. Oh, mm. whispering in the wind. I know I know Big Dave wants me to get on this athletic greens bandwagon. So because, bad. <laughs> because Big Dave is worried about my long-term health. And that since the day I met him. <laughs> I've been worried. I don't think and you're I... allowed to mix it into your beers pack. <laughs> no. <laughs> I think right. you're supposed to stay with water here, but so, you know, can I sprinkle it on you, my maybe. can I sprinkle it on my steaks? Is that something that we're allowed to do? <laughs> Will I've learned to take we'll it where see. I can get it. I've learned to take it where I can get it, Will. It's all so. small steps, you know, small wins. Yes. Season uh, season my bacon and eggs with it on a Saturday or Sunday morning. <laughs> I'll take it. A little taste off the top. <laughs> Shout out to Joey. Not with us to produce today, but with us in spirit. With us yeah. in uh, in Wi-Fi. Wanted to, get them, wanted to get them sound effects in on the Mad Reads. I know he did. He couldn't get it, man. But shout we, out to like, him. We can all just figure out who has the best Shia LaBeouf impression. Do it! Do it! <laughs> We'll say Matt because he's got the rage anyway. He's got the rage. Ah! There it is, right there. <laughs> uh, uh, all right. Speaking of rage, um, I, I am upset. <laughs> no, Wyatt, I will not do sponsorships. Why would you let a scrub <gasps> shoot when you have MJ and DeRozan over here? Hey, man, we're gonna hey, get you, Will. We're gonna Mike. we're gonna get Will in, and and he's gonna be just as enthusiastic about these Come on, as Will. Dave and I are in no time. I mean, Mike, Mike dropped the double nickel, but Winnington got the game-winning basket, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man. Everybody's important. Steve Kerr got the shot, you know. Come on, Paxton, man. Paxton took e- the shot. Everybody's important. Uh, well, a little bit of uh, update injury news here as it just came across my feed as we're live. Uh, this from Casey Johnson. Bulls with Zach Levine probable versus the Jazz. So, yay? That means he's I feeling mean, better. Yay is right. Yay is uh, correct. I I, st- I still don't know how I feel about that. But what 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 we wanted to talk about was the Bulls' other All Star, Demar Derozan, seeing sure. uh, a lot more difficulty getting to his spots, operating in isolation, and teams throwing double and even sometimes you know triple help uh, coverage onto Demar. We saw a lot of it out of the gate against the Kings last night. I think you could probably. Uh, comfortably say that that was part of the reason the Bulls' offense struggled so mightily with just 17 first-quarter points because DeMar had a very quiet, very inefficient first quarter. Will, what are you seeing in this last stretch of games after DeMar came down from that you know historic run at the end of February? And and what can the Bulls do to, to maybe try to come up with some different ways of getting DeMar the ball and or is it just a matter of when demar is drawing those doubles and passing out of them which i think he's done decently at it's just a matter of his teammates knocking down shots yeah i think it's all the above right they you know teams at this point in the season they figured it out like the bulls are 
reliant on Demar. He's the head of the snake. He makes the offense run because he's been that good. And if you can get the ball out of his hands, you force, you know, the other players to beat you, you give yourself a chance. And I think that's what we're seeing. That's what teams have really started to weaponize against DeMar. And the Kings were the perfect example of it last night. They just doubled him super hard out of the gate, trapping everything. You know, they like to run um, some of these like double pin down actions where DeMar starts in the corner and gets two screens coming up over the three point line where he gets a handoff. And they would just collapse on him right away. And he had to get rid of the ball. He didn't even get a shot up until 14 minutes into the game, Mm -hmm. two minutes into the second quarter before his first field goal attempt. Mm -hmm. And if the bulls are going to be this offensive juggernaut, which they need to be, they they need to get him some shots earlier on. So a couple things I would consider here are, you know, letting him get into isolations as opposed to pick and rolls and, and dribble handoffs where, you know, typically you want to get everybody involved. You want to get the ball moving, put energy into it. But that's where you're seeing these double teams come. And so getting him in isolation, that's going to draw a defender if they do want to double team from further away and they'll see the openings there um, or he'll just be able to operate one on one. So I think that's one step. I don't think that's necessarily the best thing to do for, you know, 100 possessions per game. But I think that's one thing you can try later on. And then to your point, Matt, like these guys just have to make shots. Vucevic has been really good facilitating when uh, DeMar gets doubled and and then he dies in what's called short roll um, where he's making plays. But I think the Bulls shot like 25 or 30% on threes last night. Uh, that's just not going to win you games. And especially when you're just, just bleeding points on the other end, they really have to play perfectly and there's so little margin for error if you're not making your shots and you're not getting stops. And Will, let me, let me ask you real quick. Um, I know where his impact would be defensively, but to what you just said, what would Lonzo's impact be then offensively if teams are starting to do this against DeMar? Well, he provides another floor spacer. And I think he's going to... Lonzo, like, people consider him the point guard. I kind of think of him as a, like, utility forward. Mm. He's, he's six 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 seven. He's got a long wingspan. Mm. Can defend one through four, and he's a really good passer and a really quick decision maker. I could see him being that screener where he, you know, comes up, sets the screen for Demar, and then he's the one that's able to get the ball going downhill and make those plays. Um, in situations where he's not doing that, he's obviously a great spot up shooter, and as I mentioned, you know, he moves the ball really quickly. So mm-hmm. on these kickouts. He's getting like six, seven, eight threes per game up. That's huge. Um, and hitting them at a much higher clip than, you know, Derek Jones Jr. Obviously, Tristan Thompson's not taking shots. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, 43% on threes from AK in the comments here. He's mm-hmm. been so important to what the Bulls do um, as a playmaker, as a decision maker, and as a shooter. And obviously, that defensive um, quarterbacking is just you know he's he's such an important part of the bulls on both sides so really excited to get him back um we don't know when that's going to happen though <laughs> and it like the latest update that we got last night before the game didn't sound like a promising one will it did not um basically he is not moving at full speed at this point um there was a bone bruise which was discovered prior to the surgery so not new no setback mm-hmm. Uh, Billy really reiterated that in the pregame press conference that there was no setbacks, but he is still, you know, experiencing some pain and they're sort of managing that 
with the bone bruise. And that's preventing him from sprinting, doing full speed lateral and vertical movement. So, uh, you know, we're still, as we talked about last night, still in that six to eight week window. I believe this is week six. Yes. Uh, and, you know, by the end of week eight, he could be ready to go. Uh, it also wouldn't surprise me if it takes a little longer. That's speculation on my part. But mm-hmm. as I mentioned, he's so important and the Bulls really need to get him back, but they need him back at 100%. So you know, I'd rather take an extra week or two and get him back maybe like the week before the playoffs as opposed to two or three weeks before the playoffs. But at least he'll be healthy. Yeah. I'm going with it. You know, I'm I'm erring on the last two weeks. I, I, just the fact that it's still within the six to eight is the reason I haven't uh, been on my peck panic mode on this yet. But if it goes outside of that, I'll, I'll be I'll be right in the car with him, man. But yeah, he's he's still in that frame right there. And plus, I saw him dancing with his daughter on on IG. So I'm like, okay, this, he's looking all right on the some wholesome instances. content we need from this. <laughs> correct, correct. To me, the the one if you piece can of concern dance, there, you can play. Come yes. on. Tibbs, that's that's how I like Tibbs. That's the one concern for me, though, is that you know he's still experiencing pain. It's not just like on the mend here, and Mm. so you know that maybe that doesn't mean it's going to take longer. Maybe it does, but it would be better, obviously, if he was just not experiencing any pain. Things were moving, like no. Again, he did not say setbacks, but um, you know, without any sort of slowing down or resetting with any anything going on in this rehab process so mm-hmm. um again could be very well in that same uh six to eight week win- window i think that's mm-hmm. seems like they're still looking at that but um yeah I, I just health over everything for me yeah do you do you see i'm just thinking about a best of seven series and adjustments game to game and sure lonzo returning will be a boost um, for the Bulls offense as well as the Bulls defense and maybe take some pressure off of DeMar in that he is a guy who DeMar could pass out of doubles to and more consistently and more reliantly knock down threes, which this Bulls team is missing sorely. But I don't necessarily see Lonzo as a guy who will take a lot of ball handling responsibilities off of DeMar because that isn't who Lonzo has been. For the Bulls, or really at any point in his NBA career, he's not a high ball handling kind of point guard. Sure. Um, you know, he's he's an excellent passer with brilliant court vision, but he's not a running half court sets kind of point guard. That's just never really been who Lonzo is. So, you know, e- even if he provides, you know, shooting and spacing for Demar to pass to when he is double teamed, is is that still a concern in a best of seven series? when you're talking about DeMar getting swallowed up because opposing coaches are saying, do not let DeMar beat us. Anyone but DeMar beat us. Like to me, that, that is, that's a real concern looking at a potential and regardless of who the matchup is against in that first round, DeMar just being, you know, Jordan ruled, so to speak. Yeah. I think that's, uh, that's definitely the concern with this Bulls team is like, where does that offense come from? To me, it's not that, that, the expectation should not be that that's on Lonzo. Lonzo's the connector. He's the one that keeps the ball moving, that spaces the floor. The offensive creation responsibilities are supposed to be Zach and Booch after Tamar. And, you know, if those guys are struggling, then, you know, that's they're going to take us as far as, as they can. But that's mm-hmm. on them. <sighs> Breathe, baby. Breathe. 
This is a good basketball team. Stop acting like this is four years ago. Relax. No, I, but good. again, I, I, I missed uh, that part of the conversation between you two, but this goes mm-hmm. back to Bulls fans kind of morphing their expectations mm-hmm. after that incredible start. And I, I sometimes let myself get sucked into that. And, um, <laughs> we, you know, you like I'm I'm fully prepared for a first round exit. Like, I think th- mm-hmm. I you, you have to look at that as a very real possibility. And again, that largely depends on matchup and whether mm-hmm. or not the Bulls can hold on to home court in the first round it's um i mean we were it seems like not that long ago when we were talking about demar inching his way into the top three of the mvp conversation yes and the bulls fighting for that one seed in the east and now it's a very very different conversation it's just kind of like it kind of like rocks your you know your equilibrium a little bit yeah some losing will do that (laughs) losing and and playing these this tough schedule um, will definitely kind of do that to this team. And and we mentioned uh, DeMar and how he's, you know, kind of changing his scoring. The, the other guy I wanted to talk about, uh, Matt, that has kind of flipped since the All-Star break is Kobe White. Um, he had, he had kind of, at some point, Will, he had found a rhythm. And he looked much more comfortable out there uh, before the All-Star break. I, I was looking at his, his numbers scoring-wise uh, before the last All-Star break. I mean, nine out of those ten games, he was in double-digit scoring. And then that's including seven in a row. And and then the last two, like he was 24 points and then 31. Remember that 31 points game that he had where he just went insane right after the all-star break, nine points, 15 points, nine points, 15 points, three points, 19 points, eight points, nine points, 13 points. It's been very inconsistent. And I don't know what to kind of attribute it to because it doesn't seem like anything's been different. Uh, as far as where he's playing, you know, he's been in and out the lineup, you know, because of injuries. And it seemed like he hit a comfort spot uh, those previous 10 games, you know, to kind of start the month. But it seems like after the All-Star break, I, I, I don't know what to attribute that to. What 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 do you see when you're looking at Kobe, Will? That's, that's who Kobe is to me. I mean, he's inconsistent. He's super hot and then cold. He gets super down on himself when he starts missing shots or, you know, messing up defensive assignments where, you know, you'll see him give up a back cut and then he slams the ball down and just is in his head. And, you know, that's what happens when you're a young player and when you're streaky. Um, I think we all agree that Kobe works best when he can come off the bench and just fire away. Sure. That is the ideal role for him and a role that he will slot into when everybody gets healthy. So I'm not super worried about him in terms of, you know, he's not playing his best basketball. I just think this is kind of who he is at this point in his career. Um, and that will make a lot more sense when he can come in for, you know, 18 to 23, 24 minutes a game off the bench as that sixth, seventh, eighth man and just provide scoring and not have to worry about that offensive creation. Now, last night, I thought he looked really calm and poised out there. He made a couple of really nice passes, True. Um, getting into the lane a little bit more and finishing his finishing is up like 10% at the rim this year, which is awesome. Yeah. So he's making strides, but he's still super young. And he's still very bad defensively. Like, I don't want to <laughs> overlook that point of it. But solid. Um, he's solid. He's, he's bad, better. Dave. I'm sorry. He's, he's, he's not good. It's better he's than less. improving. He's improving, it's but he's still bad. <laughs> I'm giving him solid. Um, I'm giving him solid. From what I saw again, him was last year. I think again, he's- all of that makes more sense when he's that eighth man and not a starter. True. True indeed. And as far as his scoring, with the only thing he had – after he came back from that injury in those first few games, you know, when he was missing layups and everybody was like, get him off my team. 
he he went on like a 13 or 14 game stretch where he was just double digit scoring and everything was up and looking better and so much smoother. And that and all of that kind of continued. And it feels like after the all-star break, I've seen more of what you're talking about, the inconsistent Kobe. I, I haven't really seen that level of inconsistency from him this year as far as scoring uh, is concerned. And that's what's concerning to me now is that I'm seeing it uh, after this all-star break within the last nine games. I think you have to look at the the big picture, um, and this applies to the season on the whole, applies to Kobe, of you know not worrying about like the last five games so much, not worrying about how the offense has looked or whether DeRozan has scored 35 on 50% shooting. Like what has Kobe looked like on the whole of the season? What have the Bulls looked like on the whole of the season? What has Kobe looked like over the past two years of his career, three years of his career, whatever it is. And I think the, the overwhelming trend with him is just what I said, that he's streaky. And I think that's okay. He's allowed to be streaky. The expectations are not what they were on him last year, where he was supposed to be the starting point guard and the one that was directing traffic. It's not who he is. That's not what he has to be. And I think that's great. Like he can come in and have, you know, a super high scoring outburst in the playoffs in one game that swings a series. Um, He doesn't have to necessarily be that super steady point guard, Chris Paul type who is directing traffic throughout, you know, the entire playoffs. We got some people in the comments. Um, Carlos saying, I like it when he's chucking up shots, Kobe. Uh, G wins. does best. Kobe needs to chuck like Ben Gordon. There you go, Big Dave. No, he needs to hit like Ben Gordon. That's a difference between chucking and hitting. Ben Gordon. And and Luke is saying, I love Kobe. He's one of my favorite guys on the team. I want him to be a bull for a long time, but I'm afraid his best contribution to this team will be as a trade piece. Mm. That's a conversation that Bulls fans were having leading up to that February deadline just last month, and it's going to be a conversation again between when after this season ends – and off-season moves starting to happen um, because he, you know, is he really a guy you're going to give a significant extension to? Multi-year extension, paying him you know upwards of ten million annually to be what the the fifth guard in your rotation. So I think you know what will when you were talking about maybe ke- watching Kobe catch fire in, in at least a playoff game or or two or help help the Bulls win a playoff game or two. That that we could be talking about that being the final contribution that Kobe White makes to this team. I, I mean, I I agree with Lucas. I love Kobe, and, and we've seen him improve, and we've seen him deal with hardships, whether that be this team's former coach not letting him do what he does, or he battling injuries and battling inconsistent role on this team. <laughs> Big Dave, you know, doing the rundown of Kobe's production coming out of the All Star break. He's also been coming in and out of the starting lineup says the all-star break and and even leading into the all-star break it's hard to find consistency big dave our guys kendall and will talk about it all the time as mm-hmm. longtime nba vets guys are comfortable and play at their peak levels when they know their role on a nightly basis kobe is a guy whose role has changed virtually every freaking night game by game since he came to the nba oh no question about it and the things they've asked him to do first it was yeah like you said we'll be the facilitator for us then it was well we need you to be that bench scoring then it was that ball headed minutes telling him not to shoot mid-range jump shots you know then he, he's been through such a dramatic change over these past few years but he's done it so professionally he's never complained and he's done what they've asked him to and he's improved his game this year because of it because actually he has better people around him in mo cheeks and billy donovan you know alex caruso 
and guys like that. And you're right. Like the things they continue to ask him, it's hard to build that consistency. The only reason I won't use that as an excuse, because they've done the same thing with the rookie. They asked Io to do the same stuff, change what he's done. You know, they said, boom, go be a starter. He said, I'm going to be a starter. Could you go guard the best player on the team? I'm going to guard the best player on the team. Could you come off the bench and be a six-man and play the three? Sure, I'll do that too. And he's done it well. So I can't sit there and use that same thing uh, with Kobe. But I do agree, yeah, inconsistency has been his thing. But it hasn't really been the thing this year until I just noticed it these past nine games for Kobe, as far as scoring is concerned, I'm saying. Yeah, and that's kind of the job description is coming in and like being the next man up. I mean, that's what you always hear out of these press conferences. That's what you always hear when teams are down a guy or whatever it may be is somebody's got to step up here. And I think Kobe has skills to be able to do that in certain aspects of the game. Um, Obviously, the scoring more so than the defense or the facilitating. Uh, But again, he's still super young. The role that he's going to be required to play on this team is not going to overwhelm him. So he has to be more consistent doing the things that he should be good at at this point. And I think that's where you can, you know, lean on him and expect from him is to provide some more consistent scoring. Um, I do think it'll be super interesting to look at what he, what happens with his, uh, the, the option on the last year of his rookie deal. And then beyond that, uh, if you're talking about like a smaller, you know, sub, 10 million or even like sub $15 million contract. I think that's tradable for a young player like that. So um, just given the nature of how the cap works with re-signing players uh, that you draft and that are already on your team, as far as bird rights and being able to go over the cap, um, I trust AK and Eversley and JJ Polk to make those decisions and to be able to, you know, do something with him, um, whether that's trade him as sort of a, um, a chip with a uh, higher salary attached or, you know, hang on to him. And as we've talked about before, layer in this younger generation of players alongside with the Vooch and DeRozans of the world. All right, guys, uh, before we get out of here, the Bulls do have the Suns on deck Friday this week. And if you want to get a little reminder of how tall of a task that will be, the Suns do have uh, a game on NBA TV tonight against the New Orleans Pelicans. And speaking of which, that's where I'm headed for my points bet pick of the week this week, gentlemen. Tonight's, tonight's slate of NBA games is kind of is icky. A lot of heavy favorites against heavy underdogs. You got Grizzlies Pacers, Grizzlies heavily favored, Nets Magic, um, Nets heavily favored there, Pistons uh, down 13 or, or, you know, given 13 points against the Miami Heat tonight. So mm. that, to me, Suns Pelicans, the most intriguing matchup we got on deck tonight Suns at minus four and a half on points bet and the over under is set at 224 and a half mm. over the past 10 games the Pelicans bless their hearts have been averaging 120 points per game that's some real-time NBA scoring there the Suns in their own right averaging 116 and a half over their last 10 so I love that 224 and a half line to take the over tonight and the Suns are the Suns. Four and a half seems pretty reasonable. So I'm doing a combined bet of line and over. Suns minus four and a half and over 224 and a half for odds of plus 190. Nice, simple, easy, make your money kind of bet for a Western Conference matchup tonight. Seven o'clock Chicago time tip on NBA TV. That is my points bet pick of the week. And don't forget that promo code CHGO. 
Guys, if you watch, uh, if you have an opportunity to watch the Suns play tonight, is it going to change anything about how you feel? You know, I know you don't look past an opponent. We got Utah on Wednesday, but mm. I am very much looking past Utah and saying, <laughs> oh, God, we got to play the Suns again. Um, I'm not looking past Utah at all. Um, at all. I'm, I'm very, very focused on Utah because they got to get this victory. But I think my, I'm going to throw a question to you, Peck. Like, how upset are you? And, and this might be part of your parlay on Friday. But how upset would you be if you watched your boy Cameron Payne drop 25 on the Bulls? Um, I'm sorry. Can you repeat the question? <laughs> Campaign dropping 25 points? No. 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 I wouldn't be upset because I would be, I don't know, d- dead and in an alternate universe somewhere. <laughs> That's not possible. I tell you He's what, though. Well, man. I tell but... you what, though. If the Bulls scrubs come back and make another pointless second half of the fourth quarter comeback to ruin a bet of the Suns covering like they did the last time these teams faced off, then I will be mad. If Malcolm Hill scores nine (laughs) points in 13 seconds or whatever the hell it was to ruin my cover for the Suns, then yeah, I'll be mad. But when it comes to this Bulls-Suns match rematch, I'm I'm looking elsewhere on the NBA slate to make a bet because I cannot have that happen to me again. Because I'll be rooting for the Bulls, but my mind is going to tell me bet the Suns. <laughs> what, what do you think, Will, man? You looking at the Cameron Payne game? I mean, he's been playing really well. I think he had like an 11 assist game recently. The, mm-hmm. I don't know, weirdest emotional experience I've had in a long time was watching him and Bobby Portis in the NBA Finals last year. Oh, so, wow. Yo. <laughs> you know, good good for those guys for kind of turning their careers around. Um, yeah. And becoming like real legit NBA rotation guys. Um, yeah, they're both really good and campaign is playing a ton now with Chris Paul out with the broken thumb. So uh, I'm sure he will be, you know, circling that bulls game on Friday as one that he'll get up for. So I don't know about 25, but uh, I'm sure he will play well. Yeah, hey, shout out to our guy uh, Hayes in the comments. Hayes, I'll see you boy. Tell people get the likes up. If you enjoyed our episode today, hit that like button, subscribe to the CHGO YouTube channel if you aren't already. Whew. All right. You know what I'm looking forward to? Not having What's to watch that? the Bulls tonight. I got we wow. let's all let's all decompress Give from that day loss off. of the Kings. Yeah. Dave's already thinking about Utah. I'm not gonna think about I Utah am. until until 7:58 Chicago time Wednesday night. Please That's God. probable. I feel, I feel, peck, I like peck is probable for pre and tomorrow. Probable we'll, peck. we'll see. We'll see how we'll we're talk. doing. Um, in the meantime, follow us on Twitter. Will is at won't got leave. Dave's at bow BAWL sports. Bow. I'm at bulls underscore peck. We are at CHGO underscore bulls. We're itching up near that 2K followers mark on Twitter for our CHGO bulls account. Help us get to 2K and beyond. Uh, don't forget to use that promo code CHGO when you're signing up for that awesome points bet app with that amazing offer of $50 or more on your first deposit to get a free CHGO membership. What yes. are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? It's staring you in the face, <laughs> just like Utah. <laughs> All right, y'all. That's it. Uh, we are out of here until uh, until Utah pregame. We will see you guys tomorrow night.